Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast with me, Rob O'Donoghue. This is episode 16 of season 2, and it is good to be back. Uh, been a couple of weeks since we released the last episode, which was with John Eads, episode 15. And that's certainly one worth checking out. But over the last couple of weeks, the 1% Better podcast has taken a pause. And the new podcast, the 864, has taken center stage. And at this point, have released six episodes of that. One just a couple of days ago with Joseph Dalton. Good one. Good, interesting view on sales. It's always a question I like asking about sales. But I would say if you haven't checked that one out yet, please do take a second right now to pull out your phone, have a look at it, go to the app, be it iTunes, be it Google Podcast, the new app that's out the last few weeks, or just to the website, click subscribe, and there you go. You have a bunch of new shows that you can listen to in 15 minutes on your way to work or wherever you listen to your podcasts in shorter bursts. And the feedback so far has been pretty good. It's a slow burner. There's been definitely a steady increase in those listening. I've had some really good guests on, B.B. Baskin, Susie Horgan, Johnny Dumas, and Mike Mikhailovich, and all different perspectives, but all good lessons that you can take away. And so, as I said, some good feedback, mixed feedback on the intro, the the voiceover at the start. kind of like it. It's more upbeat and faster paced to reflect the show. Maybe it's a grower. But anyone who's taken those few seconds out to subscribe, thank you. And even those that have taken out a little bit more time to actually send me an email and let me know if they like the show or not, that's, I really appreciate that. I can't stress that one enough. So thank you for that. Okay, I've been teasing and talking about putting out live shows for a while. This week I played around with the actual live recording software that comes with Spreaker and it works quite well so I will be going uh, I definitely will be putting out some live shows in the near future lining up some more guests for the 864 and probably will do live shows there the thing about Spreaker if you actually follow me on Spreaker when a live show kicks off you will actually get a notification that it's on now probably when I do start doing it I'll probably pick a time every week and send out notifications around that. You can also interact with the show when it is on live. There's a chat functionality. If you follow me on Spreaker, you can type in a question that would pop up during the show, which would be cool. Future state I would hope to do video as well, do live streaming in that respect, have more questions and answers going there, even have listeners or guests kind of come on, but that's again down the road i'm trying to just walk before i can run in lots of ways here excited about doing that and it'll help me put out more content get more interaction with listeners and hopefully have a bit more fun doing it and less editing which always uh, is a good thing because that takes a lot of time up believe it or not so that was a call out for spreaker follow on there or just on the socials in general you'll be able to connect in and hopefully get notified certainly through twitter when a live show goes out there one other call out in the last couple of weeks have been recording relentlessly even though i was uh, putting out new shows i was trying to do some recordings i had a great interview with dr eben alexander last week and anyone who might have listened to an episode a few weeks ago with martin brennan he recommended dr eben alexander's book proof of heaven and even alexander's story is where he had an nde or near-death experience uh he's a neuroscientist or neurosurgeon his book about Proof of Heaven came out about eight or nine years ago where he effectively was dead for a period of time and came back to life with a huge perspective on what that 
Afterlife is like amazing show looking forward to releasing that but I have a few others in the queue so it'll be a few weeks away yet but some really good guests coming in there and in the 864 some potentially world known names there a couple are in discussions at the moment and excited about potentially talking with those folks so lots to come there my only ask on all of it is to give me some feedback to get in touch to tell somebody else about it that's the only way this is going to grow i'm certainly not one of those celebrities that has decided to set up a podcast and already has two million followers i'm doing it totally the other way around and hopefully helping people along the way and all the folks that do get in touch and give me nice feedback that means an awful lot so thanks so much okay i'm going to talk about this week's guest and oh, actually just one other thing one thing i'm hoping to do instead of having these nine or ten minute intros which i enjoy doing put a lot out there i get feedback people like it what i might do is put shorter intros out the night before on on the live feed which you can listen into about the upcoming episode and see if it's something you want to listen into that might again save me time and get as much content out but we'll see okay this week's episode episode 16 is with leah olszewski so leah and i connected again through the magic of i think it was linkedin a while back and looking at her bio got very interested in what her story could be about and it certainly did not disappoint leah has a background in the US military. She became a commissioned officer, I think, in 2003. It was her ambition from an early age, and she rose and is continuing to rise up the ranks. A few years ago, she set up a business with her sister called Femtac, and she talks a lot about that during the show, how that was something that was never on her radar, but made a lot of sense, as you'll hear. That's been progressing well, but over the last 18 months, Leah has had a lot of challenges in her own personal life, which she touches on during the podcast. Leah talks about how domestic violence and the trauma that came with that has been so, so tough to get through over the last 18 months, but she's resilient, she's strong, she's determined, and she's coming out the other side of that. So there's so much in this one that you can listen to, hopefully learn from, definitely enjoy, and hopefully then reflect upon because her story is genuine and interesting and definitely worth taking the time out to have a listen. So there's a lot in that one. I hope that you've got a good sense of everything that's going on. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with my guest, Leah Olszewski. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. And please do spread the word about the 1% Better podcast. Thank you and good luck. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast and I am here today or tonight, today for my guest, tonight for me uh, with Leah, okay here we go, Olszewski. Perfect. Is it perfect? Is it almost perfect? Uh, Leah, look, it's great to be able to chat to you. You're, you're based, where, where is your location right now in on, on the uh in in North America whereabouts? So I'm in Navarre, Florida. That's uh central time zone but it's in the panhandle of florida certainly uh as i was saying before we started it's kind of hot here in ireland at the moment it's probably a little bit hotter in in uh the panhandle of florida right now i'd imagine you were saying there was some storms over the last few days that's right yeah we were supposed to get a tropical storm alberto but he hasn't showed up really so we're doing okay hopefully he doesn't show up in the next hour or so as well uh don't want to kill it kill our recording yeah, so so they, we connected a f- probably a month or two back. Um, I think it was through the magic of of social media, as as 
tends to be the case i connect with a, a lot of people and it was really cool to just start conversation and from reading your bio from doing a bit of research about you i was very delighted to have you come on and and maybe talk about your journey your story and hopefully along the way uh, i'm pretty confident along the way you'll you'll probably give out some really good nuggets of value or wisdom that uh, listeners can take something from so hopefully that hasn't built it up too much Leah. no that's um that's perfect i am honored to be here believe me i am very honored to be here and uh you know i've seen or, or heard from some of your guests and what a great what a great program you have thank you very much it's it's, it's a it's a lot of fun and it's as i said to people it if I wasn't doing it, I wouldn't be talking to people like yourself. So that's the the big upside for for me. So so Le, you've just to really kind of bullet point your career as as I've seen it. U.S. Army officer. You're an entrepreneur, um, coach, consultant. One of the standout things I see on your resume is uh, is a PMP. And for for those folks that might know what that is. It's a project management professional, as, as one myself, as as somebody that has project management in my blood. I think uh, that's nice to see on uh, on your your profile. Of all of those things that you've done and that you've been involved in, anything really stand out that you might be maybe most proud of? Sure. I mean, I have a few things that I'm most proud of, like everybody probably does. But I, I would say certainly the military. Uh, has been a big part of my life, and I'm extremely proud. I'm also extremely proud of my efforts in the entrepreneurial realm because I never thought it was something I would get involved in or do. And, you know, years later, here I am, and that's all I want to do. So I think those those two things in particular are the biggest, you know, the greatest highlights of my career probably. Not necessarily always the the easiest by any means or always the most fun but in terms of being proud those are the two things that make me most proud where does the pmp fit into all of that (laughs) that's a great question so believe it or not my story on the pmp is this i consider getting the pmp a few years ago and uh, went through a program that was offered all online, essentially. And it just, I'm a great online student, but at this time, I could not make it work for me. And I set aside my fifth edition Pimbok and all of my extra materials. I put it in the corner and said, nope, I don't need another certification. I don't need more education. I'm not going to continue with this. And ended up giving that material, the book and the the Pimbok and, and the study materials to Uh, someone who was in my life at the time. Then I finally came around to finding this organization that offered a boot camp for PMP. And when I looked at all the offerings surrounding the boot camp and, you know, a little bit more hands-on, I uh, thought again about getting the PMP and I said, yep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the boot camp. And I did that. And the highlight of all of this was not even necessarily taking the test and passing it, but sitting in that boot camp and seeing exactly how the material was going to help me in my own business. You know, a lot mm. of people, yeah, were in the boot camp, were currently military or transitioning military or in the defense world. And of course, they're thinking about their 
projects in the military or what they're doing in the defense world here in the States. And me, though, I was just er, writing things down, you know, imagining things in my head, looking at all the time and uh, money I had wasted to some degree and and just said, mm. gosh, this is going to really help me out in my business. And it just, you know, was was huge. And I walked away from it feeling really good. Very good. It's, uh, yeah, for me, it, I, I actually do a podcast around project management separate to this because I'm a, I'm a member of the PMI Ireland chapter. So maybe yes. we could we could meet up and do a 15, 20 minute podcast around uh, project management at a later point. So I don't want to don't lose my listeners for, for the one percent better world at this stage. But but just on that, I totally agree. It's uh, so beneficial and you learn so much about, I guess, the structure. And it's not just structure. It's not just kind of hard skills, but there's so much soft skills in project management, I think, uh, as well. So very interesting. And a, a boot camp, you're probably not unfamiliar to boot camps of different types i did a pmp boot camp as well so maybe we'll talk about other boot camps you've done in in the army uh, as well um so let's take it right back leah just growing up you mentioned there you didn't think you were ever going to do uh become an entrepreneur so the accidental entrepreneur perhaps is is what you might be but what what did you aspire to be when you were um growing up and and where did you actually grow up where, where was where's home when you when you were a young lady yeah, so my uh my mother and father raised us I would say primarily in Erie, Pennsylvania. That's where I was born. But in 5th grade, I believe it was 5th grade, we moved to another small town in Pennsylvania and then we moved to Florida. And then my parents divorced and my mom moved my sister and I out to California. So I've lived a number of places, which has really, really benefited me in so many ways. I just can't even explain. But yeah, so I was I was basically, you know, here and there and everywhere. But it, it helped me immensely. Um, and when I was probably 12, I think it was 12 because 1986 Top Gun came out. I saw Top Gun and said, I want to be a pilot. That's what I want to do. Never turned out like that, but that's okay. I ended up, uh, I, I knew though at that point that I wanted to be in the military in some capacity. So that started my military, you know, road down that path. It's interesting. I one of the the ladies I interviewed in my first season, she was the first female in the Irish Navy. Uh, Roberta O'Brien is her name. She's obviously Irish, and she talked about you know growing up and always maybe playing sports with with the the, the guys as well uh, on the guys team, and and always having that ambition. Her parents were were heavily involved. So outside of the Top Gun, was there any other? influencers or or kind of angles to why the military was uh, the area you wanted to go into no not really oh. uh, i think I, i'm gonna look up roberta i think that's awesome by the Do. way absolutely uh, yeah it's a great episode that is awesome that is awesome um yeah no there was there's really nothing else i think i have a similar story in in my childhood we were always outdoors i mean we had you know tixner you know, hair and crawling everywhere. And I was always in the woods or always outdoors. I mean, we'd throw rocks at each other. We'd run, we'd play. And I was raised that way very much because my mom was a farm girl. So she's like, get outside, you know, um, there was no inside time for us. So I was raised very much into being into the outdoors and very tomboyish like um, to a degree. But outside of that, in terms of people, there was no one really that 
you know, it wasn't like my father was military or mm. my mother or anything like that. My dad was four years in the Air Force, but nothing, you know, he talked about even at that time. I don't know what it was, but something excited me about it. So we can blame Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise for, for that. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll send them a tweet afterwards um, to, to thank them. But so, but yeah, so once that started to form, did you start then to identify in your studies, modules, courses, ways to, to kind of upscale and get prepared for a life in the military? Or how do did, how did things start to evolve towards that? Sure. I, I will tell you that I went completely backwards. Most people hear my story and they say, what? What did you do? I initially had planned on enlisting in the Marine Corps. And it all sounded great because they're great at PR, right? The uniforms look really good. Mm -hmm. But uh, I ended up going to college instead, which was also a fluke. So it seems like I come to things at the very last minute. Maybe I'm a late bloomer, but I ended up applying to college thinking that I wasn't going to go to college and a college accepted me. And I ended up, you know, changing my mind on enlisting in the Marine Corps and then went into a program at the University of Alabama called ROTC. And I spent probably two years doing ROTC, in which case I got to go to airborne school and do some really fun stuff, but decided that that wasn't for me. And I finished out college. What I ended up doing is saying to myself after I finished college, oh, I think I made a mistake. Let me go backwards and become an officer and redo this whole scenario. I ended up enlisting after college. So that's completely backwards. Most people, you know, enlist and then they go to college and mm. then they go from there. But I ended up enlisting. And uh, eventually, in 2003, I became a commissioned officer. But I did this all a little bit backwards. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But but it, uh, it doesn't, I think I've done a lot of things backwards in, in my own life. But it te you tend to come around to what you're meant to be doing eventually. Um, sometimes it takes longer than uh, you potentially <laughs> like. But once you get there, you knew once you did it, once you enlisted it felt right it was the the right decision yes yes and i i completely agree with what you're saying that it was where i was supposed to be when i was supposed to be where i was supposed to be at all it all turned out just fine uh, so yeah i'm i'm glad to have had the opportunity to serve and you know i am where i am now and it's it's exactly how it was supposed to be so talk to me about some of the um i suppose standout moments in your career in the military D did you go on active duty was there i suppose from a from an irish perspective our, our our army are quite you know focused around peacekeeping missions and and things like that but it's obviously a little bit different in the u.s so i'd love to hear maybe some of your your career in the the army and what what that entailed and i suppose what what you got from it how you've developed and grown as a result it's it's so hard to say some of the the standout moments in my career. I think the now well, I could say this about my enlisted time that those were probably the best years of service, and I don't know if that's just because I had a little I don't want to say less responsibility. There was something about that time that was really special to me, and I have some of the closest relationships in terms of friends and you know colleagues things of that nature from that time. But I really made a good jump into living up to my potential when I commissioned in 2003. 
Uh, I was active duty enlisted and was stationed at a few different places, including South Korea, which was an experience in and of itself. But when I commissioned, I I was actually a reservist uh, slash National Guard, so I wasn't full time, but I had the opportunity to go on orders a number of times, mobilized because of clearly the wars that were going on, the, the different wars that were going on. So I had the opportunity in 2005 to serve with Joint Special Operations Command, and that was probably the highlight of my commissioned years until I came on board with the unit that I'm currently with, 20th Special Forces Group. Um, again, on the National Guard Reserve side of the house, so it's part-time, but the missions that we have had to focus on are phenomenal. So again, enlisted time was great, and I, I smile when I think about it, but being becoming a commissioned officer really allowed me to push my limits a little bit more. Hmm. Going into it with the, I suppose, the expectations that it was going to be challenging and uh, certainly pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Was it everything you expected it to be? Was was there standout moments where you realized, wow, I've actually achieved something I never thought I could here. You talked about your potential. What comes mm -hmm. up when, when we kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, you know, the, the first thing that comes up is I never thought I would make it to the rank that I'm at at the moment. Uh, that's the most recent, oh my gosh, I, I surprised myself a little bit because I was happy being uh, a captain. I'm, I'm now a major in 04, but I was really happy being a captain because it allowed me to still remain closer to the troops, which I prefer than working in the staff role or, you know, being moved away from the tactical or, you know, troop level. So I really never thought that I would become the rank I am today. And in fact, it all happened so very quickly. They sat me down in the office one day and said, oh, by the way, you've been promoted. And I said, what? And all of a sudden, I think my face flushed a little bit because I thought, well, you know, the I wouldn't say the fun is over, but everybody makes jokes about once you become a major. Sure, people tend to listen to you a little bit more, but at the same time, you it's a different world and i never thought i'd be here uh where i am so again i guess i surprised myself there are lots of surprises in my life good ones though good ones <laughs> all good ones like discipline was that something you were always connected with were you always well disciplined and obviously i'd imagine you'd need to be to to be in the the army and start to rise up the ranks did that come easy to you uh <laughs> That is a wonderful question. I would say that I've always been somewhat of a rebel in ways. I think I'm the black sheep of my family in many ways, or at least I've continued to be for my adult life and not in a, um, you know, an illegal way of any sort, but just kind of, you know, I'm a, just a little bit rebellious, a little bit of a, a hippie sometimes, a little bit of, you know, just on my own path. So it's it's kind of interesting that sometimes the military is the great place for people like that to be. I would say that, you know, discipline within the limitations of what the military puts out there worked for me. I didn't have to really fight that or 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 resist staying within those, you know, left and right limits at all. But 
I'm still somewhat of a, uh, you know, black sheep, rebe rebellious type. Um, and, and I've seen a lot of that in the military where sometimes those people end up doing really well around the military. Mm, it must be a, a, a fine line, I guess, though, because if you are probably overstepping that, being too much of a black sheep, you've, I'm, I'm sure I've seen people being ejected from it or, 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 or kicked out. So I'm, I'm just speculating here, but um, would the black sheep-esque brings value, but it's also probably a dangerous thing. Would that be fair? That's completely fair. I would say that the whole black sheep rebellious type, they have a spark in them that just mm. won't die, which is which is good and useful in some scenarios, especially when you're working with certain groups of people in the military where most people would think, hey, the military, they're not innovative. They're not this. They're just going to stay with the status quo, but actually not the case, especially in the special operations realm. So that spark really helps in certain organizations within the military. Um, and they just don't give up. And I think that, that that's probably where I've been able to turn that and use it for good within the military. You would be resilient. Would that be a, a value of yours? I would say yes, resilient, uh, but you know, not across my entire life. But I, I certainly am resilient within the military. I've, I've had my fair share of, like everyone, well, like a lot of people in the military have, bad moments and, um, you know, things that I could not control. And I would like to think that I was resilient during those times. But maybe, you know, maybe I could have done a better job. But I, I clearly don't, uh, you know, apply the resilience across my life necessarily. I try to, like, leave mm. who I am with the military and, you know, over to one side and then my personal life to another side. I don't try to, I guess, say that just because I'm resilient within the military, that makes me resilient outside of the military. I'm still, you know, pretty human and, and a female. So. Yeah, no, I can, I can relate to that. The part of maybe stepping over the line. Yes. When I bring it back to project management, I'm very organized in my day and even in doing this sort of stuff. But sometimes I just like having absolutely no plan or uh, every half hour of my day not kind of scheduled because uh, you just need that break I suppose sometimes so you found it easy to step out of the military into civilian life and and leave it that behind you can kind of separate the two easily enough was that always the case not uh, yeah so I have been able to do that and I think that's taking me taken me a number of years though it's not something that I was able to do very well before because I was so set on the military was going to be my life. And then I came to a point where I realized that it wasn't everything I made it out to be, that the military is flawed in terms of taking care of people uh, sometimes, you know, not always, but sometimes. And I think I had these high expectations. And when it failed me, it failed me big time. And then I suddenly decided that, hey, I need to start looking at other things in my life. And I made some sort of switch, which has taken me, you know, probably 10 or more years to finally, well, a little bit less than that, to come to the point where I'm ready to step away from it. But I've noticed over the past year, two years or three years, especially that a lot of people that are military clearly have a have a difficult time transitioning or they say, hey, I'm an A personality at work during the daytime. 
So that makes me an A personality at home in my home life as well. And they, you know, just like a lot of other people do in the civilian world, they bring their work home and it just creates a lot of problems. So I've tried to stay very aware of me not doing that. I try to recognize that part of me and really separate work from home. Definitely. And I guess you you mentioned it was maybe 10 years ago or so there was a point when you started to realize it wasn't everything you had hoped it would be or uh, I'm not trying to paraphrase there but what was do you want to talk about what that was what that turning point was was there something that made you maybe see the bigger picture uh, yeah I can I can talk about it a little bit I think that the 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 primary thing was I was with a very um quote unquote special unit and and they are they're unique and have a great mission but in terms of taking care of the people, uh, primarily females, I'm just going to just throw that out there. It was a difficult life for females. And I would have, um, I would have NCOs, non-commissioned officers coming to me saying, Hey, you know, this, this other female who is lower ranking can't speak up for herself and this is what's going on. And it was really affecting their work and the mission. And it was just, um, it was a very sad thing to see. And then when I did speak up again, then I wasn't looked so favorably upon for doing that. And I think that that really started to turn my mind away from, you know, all of the the oohs and ahs I had at one time for even this particular unit. So I, I was just, you know, I, I think that's where I learned a little bit of expectation management. But at the same time, I said, hey, do I really want to be a part of this anymore? If this is the best of the best and this is what you what you get, at least currently in this unit, then do I really want to do this so much anymore? Um, and, it, you know, once I ended up leaving that organization, it took me years to come back around to joining another unit of any significance. Sounds like you had the um, wherewithal to take that step back and not just put up with it and kind of try and grow and develop a, a, as a result. So I, I was reading again in your bio and, and coaching came up and you have experience in in that as the, the life experience you've had during the, the time in the, the in the army. What are the kind of key things you took away from those years that you've felt are the key learnings or the things that you now can use and apply in other aspects of your life and we will talk about um the entrepreneur stuff very soon but just in general life skills that that you took from the navy that were the positives and maybe even some of the ones that not so positive sure i so i guess i'll do the the positive first i mean i i've really learned how i think to be a better leader and i know that's very cliche but i've seen in both the positive light and the negative light, the the ways in which, you know, for example, we have toxic leaders like people do everywhere. And I, I've seen, you know, I don't want to be like this, this person and lead in this way, but I've also seen some of the po- very positive examples or role models within the military. And then for myself, I, I think in terms of leadership, I finally realized that I'm not going to lead people the same way anyone else does. As much as you can try to guide me in a certain direction, there are just certain personality traits I have, certain ways that have worked for me 
some of my skills that I want to continue to use. And it's never going to be the same way as somebody else. Mm. But I know that the intent is the same, especially within you know leadership within the military. So I really learned a lot about situational leadership and, um, you know, being an individual and being able to maintain my individuality, but being able to accomplish the same things, which is tough for some people to do. I think in the military, they often get lost and they turn into not a robot necessarily, but they tend to take on someone else's personality and methods to please people when in the end, if they would have stayed a little bit truer to themselves, they probably could have done an even better job and been happier. So um, for me, I learned more about myself and the ways in which I would would lead people and, and all about staying true and genuine to myself as well. And I'm just going to pick up on, on that. And you, you see that stereotypical view of what a, a leader in the military is it's command and control it's very rigid it's it's everything you probably see in your movies or or i would anyway from here but has that is that true or or has it over time been been more i suppose flexible to 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 your point of becoming that leader where you still have to maybe shout the commands and the orders but can you do it in a more casual or relaxed way to have a real leadership style because in, in this world that we live in in I suppose outside of the military in in business the that whole command and control top down leadership has has kind of gone by the wayside heavily is it is it still that strict and stringent do you think in the army i would say that uh it is not as much that way at least within the units which i've worked recently that it is truly uh, often the quiet professional, that whole aura of, you know, the person that is most, um, most, I should say, is the best leader in a way has higher emotional intelligence, mm. and can be quiet and just say something very plainly to somebody. And yet they've influenced that person to do something versus directed them. So I have noticed that the often the one the the leaders that are or the the, you know, People in my chain of command, for example, are that are the quietest, that don't have to, you know, put, put down their fists on a table and don't have to shout. They often are the most effective. And I think, like you said, that I think that that is changing. It's a little bit more traditional, but I think that that's changing a little bit within the military realm. Good, good to hear. Just the last one on that is is introvert versus extrovert, a question I tend to ask a lot because I'm fascinated by it. Would you find introverted leaders as commonplace as extroverted in in uh, in the military would you be able to even distinguish between the two in there that that's a really good question too a lot of great questions here i would say that it depends on the field or the branch in which they work because there are certainly some people who work for example in the intelligence realm or in information systems it that just tend to have a personality of being a little bit more introverted and that makes them a-okay for the jobs that they have. But then there are other roles where when you, you know, like a leadership role, especially within certain, you know, fields within the military where you have to be able to work very, very well with people and lead them and talk to them and communicate with them. And so you're almost forced, if nothing else, to be an extrovert and you learn a lot. So I think it just is dependent on which field you're in. 
a little bit to some degree, to some degree. And clearly there are some people in both, both, you know, on both sides of the house that have a little bit of the introvert in them when they're mostly an extrovert and then have a little bit of the extrovert when they're mostly introvert. I guess it varies, but you see more of one or the other in certain fields, probably. Last one, maybe just around the whole military that I'd like to get from you. Which which did you find more challenging, the mental or physical challenges within, or do you still find within there? Is there, is there what, what naturally jumps out when you think of that? I think that the mental challenges are far more challenging than physical. I don't know that I've ever been so physically challenged with the military that I couldn't continue or handle something. I really feel it's the mental challenges that, that, you know, (laughs) touched me a few times and kind of pushed me to decide, you know, what I was going to do and how I was going to react or, um, in in my decision making, so far more on the mental side. Cool, very interesting. Yeah. So we're moving along your journey, and I'd love to talk more now about the entrepreneurial side of your character uh, that that has developed. Talk talk to me about the big idea that that came, or or when when you decided to say, "Hey, I see something here that that there could be a business in." Right. My, well, it started a few years ago, actually more than a few. Now it's been a few, uh, about 2013, my sister and I, my sister was actually a, a Black Hawk pilot in the army and she's now in federal law enforcement here in the States. And so I give her props. I give her credit all the time because she's actually the one who hit upon this first because she, she is a, she's a female, you know, working in these certain fields and doesn't have access to uh, availability of certain, you know, apparel for women and things like that. So she said, Hey, Leah, I've been paying attention and I notice we don't have this as women in this line of work. And, you know, she kind of went down a list and I said, huh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm taller. I'm, you know, a bigger person. I can get away with wearing maybe some men's apparel and things like that a little bit. But she was the one who first brought this up and it probably took a year or two before it just, you know, finally hit me. I was like, we need to do something about this. Like, I don't like sitting by Mm. when I, there's a solution to a problem and I can help solve it some way. So I, I hated that. So I said, let's do something about this. And I had some of the business, you know, knowledge a little bit anyway, and uh, was in a place where I had time and I had the ability to start getting out there and seeing what we could do about solving the problem. So that's how it started. But, you know, it took a little while. It wasn't an overnight thing by any means. Very interesting. It's called FemTac, right? FemTac is the name of the the company. That's it. That's it. Yep. A hundred percent. That's it. <laughs> Just what's sprung up for me there just as you were talking through that i was at a pmi conference actually in berlin a few weeks ago and um the lady that uh gave one of the keynote speeches talked about never thinking she was going to be an entrepreneur and she went to the u.s when she was young and went to a coffee shop and thought these coffee shops are amazing we don't have them in the uk and she came back and they still still weren't there a couple of months or years later and she said to her brother, you know, I can't wait for somebody to actually open up one of these coffee shops because 
I'll go there every day and, you know, it'll be perfect. And then he said, well, why don't you actually just do it yourself? So it sounds like that's kind of the the approach you took. Uh, rather than wait for somebody else to do it, you decided to uh, to go for it yourselves. Absolutely, because what we found and, and, and we clearly we talked to people, we talked to our market, we've talked to a, a lot of different people, men and women alike. Uh, we found that who better to represent and and do this than she and I having the military backgrounds and having for her the law enforcement background. Why not? I mean, I, I guess I'm just a real believer and in, in call me, you know, I don't know, overly optimistic. Maybe not. I'm I'm not always, but why not us? Why not? You know, we're we're clearly made for this, and um, I have the energy and the wherewithal to do it. So I said, you know, let's just go for it. And we've been heading down that path. You know, clearly we've hit a few bumps, but nonetheless, that's how it goes in entrepreneurship. But yeah, right. Why not us? Just like that that lady why not her i mean if you can make the change why not absolutely no it's uh definitely agree and and as you dive or dove into setting up the business was there skills that you took from the navy or sorry I keep calling the navy the military um to, that you could apply directly into the early stages of setting up the business obviously you have the skills or understanding of the the apparel but what are the things that jump out was it around the the structure you know selling is a big thing that i always like to talk about because something i've never really had to do effectively because i've worked for organizations internally selling rather than externally what were the areas that you you brought immediate skills to and areas maybe that you had to upskill in i think the primary uh, skills that i brought from the military to being an entrepreneur number one endurance because it's not an overnight party, right? You, everybody knows that. Mm. Well, you would think that everybody knows that. I was actually had a business uh, with three three guys in 2014 that uh, within six months they were gone because they thought they would be millionaires overnight. Mm. And I said, no, nope, it's not going to work like that. Um, so mm. for me, especially, I think the endurance piece, which is part of what the military is about. You know, you're going to take hits, you're going to have bad days, but you keep on going. And the second piece will probably be the human skills and the people skills, because I am an absolute believer in it. You do not get to the greatest places in your life alone. You might get to some of the dark or bad places. You know, you should take responsibility probably, you know, on your own for getting to those places. But to the really great places and to growing your business and things like that, it's really a team effort, even if those people aren't really a formal part of your team. So I've been able to to work closely with um, some real key players and people and organizations that have really lifted us up as a business, as two sisters in business. And I, I think that um, really having the people and human skills have helped us there. Mm -hmm. And what about areas that you had to focus on, develop, nurture? Uh, what what jumps out for you there? Yeah, the the biggest thing, and this is for all military, whether they're going into uh, work, going to work for another organization after they leave the military, or anything that they're doing. I think one of the hardest things to do is to highlight yourself. Normally you're hiding out, right? You don't want, mm. you don't want your name to be known. You want to just hide out. 
Uh, and I had to make a significant switch in my head, which I work on still to this day. Another part of that is really how I was raised also, um, kind of in a, a traditional, but it, it's very odd, a kind of a conflicted home, traditional, but progressive um, where I did not want to necessarily stand out. Funny that I'm a kind of rebellious because I think I'm, you know, always pushing the button a little bit. Mm. But same thing with the military. You don't want to stand out there. You don't want to say I did this or we did this or we're going to make this happen. You, you know, when it comes to my sister and I, you really want the whole team effort. And it's just really hard to highlight yourself. And you have to do that in business. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to that idea of selling and trying to knock on doors and not taking no for for an answer, did you find with with your sister? I suppose, given that your blood, that it was easier yeah. to bounce things off to to have those fights with, but still come back to together compared to your other experience where those guys that you sounded like uh, ran 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 uh, ran for the hills quite quickly when things weren't working out has a. Has it been helpful with your sister, do you think, more than anyone else? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, that's a tough one because people say you never want to want to get into business with your family necessarily, which is probably true for the most part. Mm. My sister, I would say she and I, I, I could have sworn that we were the same person growing up, but different bodies. But as we get older, I realize that we are very different and we still are both kind of hard chargers in our own way. But my sister, I would say, is more cautious, more reasonable, more um, she's she's just very, uh, you know, the same, same, same. She'll remain the same emotionally and things like that for the most part, unlike me. So we partner really well together where I'm, you know, the people and getting out and these ideas and super optimistic. She brings things back to reality. Have we ever disagreed absolutely uh and we will continue to disagree on things but that's the good part of it because i certainly don't want and i don't think anybody who plans on being successful in in a business or entrepreneurship wants i don't want somebody who's going to say yes all the time that's not going to make us or help us get any better by any means mm. what about the pm skills how have they come in to uh to help do you use microsoft project for uh, for thousands of tasks to be managed? <laughs> you know, okay, I would love to say that I've done a good job of implementing um, project <laughs> or anything. I've used things like Zoho Project, you know, minor mm -hmm. on the minor side of the house. Um, I've tried Asana and Trello, and yeah. I, plan on, I plan on using those things um, more and more. But I think that's the next thing I'll do is go into project and try to use it. Um, what I can say is that I have redeveloped my processes so that I don't, well, waste as much time or as much of our funding, which is clearly limited, you know, when you're a small business. Sure. So um, I'm working on that, and I have definitely reassessed processes at least it's a good start but uh yes i plan on actually putting them into a system here soon and, and getting that going and you did win uh, i think reading online you had you won some funding you did some um i, I guess pitches for for funding in, in early stages how did that work out or how did you go about achieving that 
I, I've been really fortunate. I should say my sister and I have been really fortunate. I've been really fortunate, though, because I came upon this program through Syracuse University in upstate New York. And this was back in maybe 2013 or so. Um, and that program right there got me started into many follow on programs with the university who support very supportive of military and, and entrepreneurship. In fact, they have, I think, a PhD for entrepreneurship, mm. but they're very big on military and veterans. And um, I love that place. Um, but so I started into one program, which led me to another, led me to another. And I started competing in these business plan or business pitch competitions. And it was funny because there was another uh, lady who would compete as well. And she ended up going on Shark Tank here. Hmm. wonderful woman. Awesome. She actually said, Hey, I didn't need the money from shark tank. I wanted the viewers, but she and I would compete through Syracuse university programs. She was always in first place. And then I would fall behind in second. And I thought, I, you know, I'm going to get there someday. So yeah, I, as time went on and I improved in my pitch, you know, basically and worked my way up, I was able to progressively win more and more funding from uh, various organizations like J.P. Morgan Chase, City, who, that they support uh, Syracuse University, IBM. So yeah, I was able to make it to the to the best place I could have last year and uh, pitched for uh, $50,000 at that time. I'd already won like $27,000, but I pitched for $50,000 last year. And um, and made it and thought this is this is great. Now we can actually, you know, make make some changes and make some movement. Excellent. And like obviously from listening to you, you're you're very clear and articulate and how how you speak. Uh, has has your presentation skills or are those areas that you would have to develop for for that? And was there training you had to take to to do that, or was that something you always seem to to be able to confidently talk through? what you're trying to, to pitch? Oh my, I would love to say yes, that I've always been able to do that. But I'll tell you when I got up on stage in Atlanta, uh, for that $50,000 opportunity, I think I stepped outside of my body somehow. <laughs> so it was almost like I wasn't even there because oh. afterwards, yeah, it was, I was there, but I wasn't there because I had practiced so much um, and I had had a business coach uh, for three months prior to that. But when you get up there, I think sometimes, you know, your brain just fizzles. And after the the competition was over and I, I was just surprised and I said to one of the judges, I was like, wow, I didn't expect this. And she said, see, I think you you did better than you thought you would. Um, you did better than you thought you did. And I I thought, gosh, you know, this is where confidence and you have to stop being so hard on yourself. Um, you know, when you're raised to be pretty hard on yourself and then you you're in the military, so you're forced to be hard on yourself. That's a hard thing to let go of. And, uh, you know, so as time goes on, I'm realizing that I, I need to, you know, not be so hard on myself. And I didn't really realize that I was I was really well prepared for that pitch. But um, again, with a lot of these competitions, though, you you have to go through various phases. So it's not just, hey, we pick your name out of a hat. They had us, you know, send a video in and, you know, go from there. So there were there are phases to get to where I got. But I'm really happy that 
that it did work out. And, you know, it, it's a work in progress. I, I watch TED Talks and I, mm. I read about how people speak and I, and I hope to do more speaking and keynote speaking in the future. So it's, it's a constant battle to communicate well, for sure. What, that, that pitch you did, the one that one, was it recorded? And if so, did you watch it back and how did it look? Yeah, I I didn't watch it back. I believe it was possibly recorded. I think that they record everything. I don't know that I uh -huh. asked to see it later, though. Mm. Uh, I have seen several of my pitches and definitely recognize some of my errors. But then again, I'm like, well, Leah, it's over. What are you going to do now except to improve? So I end up doing a lot of videos, especially for for these competitions again, where you have to send those in first to get picked from mm. that group of videos. So I do watch a lot of my videos back over and over and over again, mm. constantly trying to improve. But I didn't, that one in particular, I did not watch back. Right. Yeah. No, no. I think, I think that tip is very, very good in that I, I've often myself got over the last few years, definitely improved because it was coming from a low, a low starting point in, in presenting and, you know, even being comfortable in front of a camera. And I've often had advice people like maybe coaches to, to record themselves and look at themselves back to see some of those mannerisms or tics that they have or, or just stuff they don't realize. And then when they see it, the this was the rapid learning uh, happens when, when they watch it back and it just basically brings things along a lot further. So I, I do think, as you said yourself, you, you've, you've watched a lot. I think that's something worth worth doing for, for sure. And another thing, what I've learned over the while is just because somebody presents in a very polished, formal, straight, laced sort of way doesn't mean it's how you should do it. And I think going back to what you said earlier about maybe figuring out who you are and your leadership style be true to yourself would that would your style be very much your style rather than copying anyone else's for sure every time i've tried to copy anyone else's style it's it's never worked out very well for me and that's probably the same for most people i would guess i mean certainly we can take away different uh you know the, the good stuff, right? You see somebody who speaks well and people respond well to them and, and that that's going on that clearly I could take a few things from that person. But in the end, I have to do what works for me. Always, always, always. Uh, one thing that I noticed, um, or I, I remember the judge saying after was that I fit the role. And so I was genuine, uh, mm -hmm. but, but clearly it's because people like my sister and I, for what we want to do, we fit the role. I look the part, I, I talk the part, I walk the part. So again, it comes back to, I think what, what I want to do or what she and I want to do, we're very good for it because we're really well aligned with it. And I think that was part of me presenting though, is that just naturally that comes out in me and that's nothing, you know, I've taken from anybody else, but myself. So that's, that's a good thing, but I, yeah, it comes back to staying true to yourself as much as possible. Yeah, without hurting other people clearly, which, you know, but staying as true as you can to yourself and realizing you'll probably get a little further down the road if you do that versus trying to mimic others too much. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very good point, Midwed. Um, or Midwell even. So, that was when 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 was that back in 2015 or 16 when you had 
secure that? Mm-hmm. That well, okay. So that was last year, actually, okay. in 2017, and starting in 2014, though, is when I started to attend the competitions through Syracuse and won, you know, little pots of of funding here and there, and it just kept on going. I think the in 2015, then I went to a competition where. I won second place to my friend Angela, who is awesome. She has a great business, but I won second place to her. But then I won the most innovative award for the competition, which I thought was even almost as good as winning the funding. Uh, clearly, we I need the funding, but the innovation award really meant a lot to us, um, to me. And then last year was the the, the bigger win. Okay, very good. So we're now in 2018, so you got that funding in 2017 you said you, I think you started pitching for funding a few years ago how have things developed over the last maybe 15 18 months and um in March 2017 it was kind of like the pinnacle of of funding opportunities for for us for the business so that went really well I ended up securing some funding for the business and uh you know had a been assigned a, a business coach for a few months after that period and probably halfway into that business coaching period, I think probably my coach could tell that things were uh, becoming more challenging. So even deadlines I was going to try to meet uh, or, or tasks I was going to try to accomplish at some point, I really wasn't getting those things done. And what was happening is my personal life was, essentially taking over everything and um, unfortunately um, some pretty significant steps or uh, things happened in my life thereafter after after March actually so towards the end of April of last year my then boyfriend and I moved in together in in California and shortly after we moved in Uh, he started to physically abuse me. Um, And this is a lot harder to talk about than I thought it would be. So bear with me, please. Take take your time. Take your time. um, So what I can say is that I had noticed in him some of the verbal emotional abuse since uh, probably the fall of 2016, some things had happened, but nothing significantly or extremely personal towards me. He did tell me he had been in previous, you know, physical altercations with women and I blew it off because I thought, well, that's not me. That's a typical, you know, response. Well, I don't want to say that's a typical response, but that happens. So, uh, you know, victims or women or men, whoever happens to be the victim, you know, just thinks, well, it's not me. So that's what I thought when I heard that from him, he had you know, lost his temper a number of times over small things, um, ridiculously small things and, you know, tossed his bathroom and, but was never, he never physically touched me and he never was, uh, verbally or emotionally super personal. So what had happened after we moved in together is everything changed and physical abuse began and the verbal and emotional abuse became, became very, very personal, um, and that was the verbal emotional abuse was, was constant, was 
you know, there, there's the cycle typically with, with uh, abusers, and it was every three to four days mm. for him in particular, the verbal, emotional abuse, it would kind of build up. And the physical abuse, there were five major incidents of that, uh, which, you know, ended up um, coming to a conclusion on October 11th last year. After the fifth incident, and I uh, ended up suffering a miscarriage from that mm. incident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, so, but I didn't tell anybody, I, I was still trying to protect him. There was, a, there's a lot involved in, you know, typical victim responses and typical abuser responses. And I never knew about those things because this had never happened in my life to me. Hmm. Uh, so I was actually taught after October 11th, a lot of the advocates of the police departments and the district attorney's office had kind of taught me about how things typically go. And I was just shocked. I said, I can't believe it. These are, this is exactly what's going on. But I still tried to protect um, my ex-boyfriend. And so what happened essentially though, reference the business and in my life is everything shut down. I mean, had been shut down more or less since the day we moved in together. And um, because abuse, obviously, uh, an abuser takes a lot of energy and time. And I think I spent most of my time and energy um, trying to, you know, figure things out. And um, so I set a lot of my own life in, in the business aside, uh, unintentionally, but that's just how it went. And then the few months after October 11th of last year, I was just trying to keep my head above water because I hit some very, very, very low points. Sure. Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. Look, I know I obviously can detect it's naturally very difficult to, to talk about. So, so I guess well, well done for, for sharing it, you know, cause obviously other people will be listening and hopefully, um, that connects with people that have had similar challenges leah so you know it's uh definitely yeah definitely hard i'm not sure what what to say really um other than you know fair, fair play to, to to talk about it mm. and i guess once once you you mentioned october 11th a few times it's obviously a very prominent date uh for for you from from last year from then on you know what has has life been like you know what what has happened since and how have you started to maybe try and build things back up for yourself? More, not so much about the business, but just you. Right. And I, I, I think that that is, there's so many steps that, you know, have to be taken to build back up, right? The business, like you mentioned, but how can I actually focus on that when I haven't, you know, focused on me? I think right now for me, the, the difficulty and the challenge in building myself back up to some degree is that there's an investigation ongoing, a felony investigation on my ex-boyfriend. So mm -hmm. I, by OSI, uh, by air force OSI. So I am still deep into that. I'm still involved in that. There are several investigations ongoing reference, uh, you know, failures in leadership and things of that nature that occurred. So I have to, I have to be strong enough to kind of 
spend some time on that and, you know, go back to those moments and in battle and fight um, and provide evidence. And so I'm still in the mix of that. Yet at the same time, I'm trying to get emotionally and mentally healthy. Hmm. And at the same time, I'm wanting so badly to dig back into my business, which just brings me so much joy. So I am doing that. It's just a slow process. And I think what I realized is I made several mistakes between October 11th and a few months ago. You know, when you're, you experience such trauma, you tend to grab for almost anything, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, it could be something, could be something good. It could be something bad. You don't care. You just grab. So mm-hmm. I made some mistakes. I ended up on a TV show, uh, that ended up exploiting my, um, domestic violence incidents and just went very poorly. And knowing, you know, I've made a few mistakes, um, of that nature, I'm finally back to realizing that, gosh, you just need to surround yourself with positive and what brings you joy. Um, and, and one of the things that brings me the greatest joy is, is my business. So I'm back at looking, you know, at, at purchasing machines and fabrics and just things to kind of, you know, put me back on the right track. Um, and it won't happen overnight, but it'll certainly, it'll certainly happen in due time. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, just from me listening, it right up to the point you talk about this, I think you sounded from afar that you're in a positive place. So I'm hoping that's, you know, where the majority of your your mind and focus is in, in a positive place. And I think you did mention earlier as well, being able to separate work life and, you know, um, military life in the past uh, or, or personal life. So, so maybe those tools can can help um as well i guess over the last 18 months or so have other tools or approaches come in that have helped you move things forward and and get healthier definitely um what so so many life lessons have come from what happened to me last year which i would never wish on anyone to learn in our what excuse me, in order to learn life lessons, right? So, mm-hmm. so many different things I've learned. Um, one in particular is about, about being a leader. And that doesn't necessarily mean being a leader in your business, but just being a leader in your community or, or, or helping other people, right? Sometimes leaders, sometimes people are called to make hard decisions and face things they don't necessarily want to face. So, um, I come back to, uh, you know, being in a place where I feel like I can make a difference and be a leader, uh, in the community. Now in this particular case, it could be within my business or it could be within the, you know, domestic violence community or wherever it is. But sometimes we're just called to do hard things. And I think having the courage to stand up and, and go the right, but hard road is the way to go. Um, I found courage within myself that I never knew I had, honestly, again, to do the right thing. Um, but I also learned a few things about myself. So what I want to share with people is, you know, some of the things that I would suggest that they do prior, of course, to experiencing a trauma, which nobody expects to experience and nobody wants to experience. And I don't ever wish that on anyone, but having an idea of how you would respond, because again, I made some poor decision shortly after, uh, October 11th. 
that if I could do over, I wouldn't decide. So if you were in a traumatic scenario afterwards, I would ask people and I would ask myself next time not to grab for anything, have a list of one to three things that you can rely on. One of them being, I think number one should always be, do not change your decisions that you made prior to that traumatic event, stick to who you were and what you were doing previously, you know, if you can, and that will save you a lot of additional um, trauma or difficulties or challenges. And right now I'm just in the position where I am trying to figure out how to come back uh, with it all still going on. It's a, it's a challenge, but it's one little baby step every day. What I feel is that, that I'm not in a place right now to make lemonade out of lemons, but I am in a place to say I have nothing anymore to lose. I have nothing but good to gain. So I have less fear of making those mistakes, maybe in business that keep us all from moving on to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. I'm building back up and I feel like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel where I'm really going to blow it out of the water. And it's, you know, of course, sad that I had to experience what I did last year, but I will be able to turn this into something, you know, uniquely positive uh, in the end and the things that I've learned about myself in particular, I think that's, that's the biggest point is I've learned so much about myself that I didn't know about before that will help me in my business down the road. Sounds, sounds like you're in a, in a, in a, in a moving towards a good place. So, so Leah, thanks for sharing that story. I know it's, it's tough and maybe I don't want to delve any more deep into it, but, uh, I think it's, it's always probably good to just, um, to talk about it. Absolutely. I think it is good to talk about it, especially when it comes to um, activities that really live in secrecy, right? So especially with domestic violence, I mean, domestic violence thrives in silence. And although it may be extremely challenging for me to talk about it, the more transparent I am, uh, the better I think it is for me personally, and the better it is potentially for people who have experienced similar situations. And I would like to say also that there is, there is hope. And I think a lot of people after domestic violence, as I did, and again, I still struggle every single day, but feel like, you know, it's over and their life is over and they can't come back. But I can see great joy and great things happening for people who experience trauma um, and, and I, I hope to be a part of, of helping people overcome, um, particularly again, domestic violence, but overcoming some of the trauma they've experienced and seeing that there is a very bright, shiny light for them still in the future and that they don't have to live in their past, that they can have something significant in the future that is vastly more positive. I guess I'm not trying to give any advice here or anything like that, but what, what comes up for me, sometimes people have a point to to turn in one direction they people can run away from things or run toward something and generally running toward is probably the better thing to do if not all always uh, do you feel that you have something to run toward to maybe maybe femtech is something that you can run toward to and and bring you to that that place and i suppose the hopes and ambitions around that does that make sense yes absolutely makes sense i so when it comes to problems in general, I would, I, I would say that I tend to run towards them. And that's why it's initially very hard for me because I take them on instead of setting them aside. 
So I take them on and that's what I'm doing now with that. But you're exactly right. The highlights, what I look forward to doing is, is pushing Femtac forward. That wakes me up in the morning, business, entrepreneurship, those things wake me up in the morning, clearly friends and family too. But I mean, that really excites me and it, it just, um, you know, the sun's out and I'm ready to, to go and I can see it in my head. I can see what's going to happen with the company and what we're going to do over the next few years. So yes, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I have a greater fuel in me than I've ever had to see this through. Sounds like it. And that's great to hear. So yeah, maybe we'll talk about what a, what a, what a day or a week looks like in, in your world right now, Leah, and what are your plans for the coming weeks and months and, you know, those ambitions and, and goals that you'd like to, uh, to achieve? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> a day is very, usually very long for me, uh, because I also have a second business that's service oriented that, uh, allows me to basically, you know, pay my bills and take care of myself while I'm mm -hmm. reinvigorating Femtac. Um, so every day, I mean, I'm up pretty early and uh, I have multiple things going on all day long in probably a few different directions. Um, again, eventually I will compress it and make it a little bit more organized. It's that whole project management thing, right, where I'm going to allot so much time every day yeah. to certain activities to be more effective, to be more efficient. Um, so right now, I mean, I, I, I spend a, most of the day working often behind the computer, but I also get outside um, and try to, you know, take care of myself, uh, you know, with physical fitness essentially. And so my, my weeks are pretty extensive at, at the moment. I'm basically working seven days a week, but um, you know, I will, as time goes on, as I get back in the game, try to whittle that down. So I do have time to myself um, time to heal, time to get you know healthy again. And certainly, as you mentioned earlier, over the next few months, I plan on implementing you know certain processes and um, you know having some more structure in my life, whether it's personal life, professional life, so that I can meet these milestones or these goals that I have set out. Goal setting, how do you actually approach goal setting? Do you have a, a method or a methodology that you use to to get there? I do. I think the first thing I do with goal setting is probably do some backwards planning. So I have an idea in my head about where I want to be at what time. And I, I would say that I'm, well, I'm probably as good in my personal life as I am in my professional life at doing this. But I always have that idea of where I want to be um, probably a year down the road in two years down the road and five years down the road. Um, and even six months. So I kind of do some short term looks and I do some long term looks. And then what do I need to do between now and then to get there? So it's more or less a little bit of backward planning. Um, and then I also realize that, you know, stuff happens in there. So I'm a little bit forgiving of myself with some goals. I say, hey, there's a little bit of flexibility in there. But primarily, I, I'm a big goal setter and I, I have lists and I like to stick to those, those lists and those goals. Yeah. <laughs> lists are yeah. very important. And working with your sister, do you have an approach when you have to make a tough decision? How do you kind of work those things out to, to come to this is the way we're going with it? Is that a collaborative? Is it, I don't know, is there, is there voting buttons in, included? 
Right. No, this I use it's it's not easy sometimes um, at all. But I would say that she's older than uh, you. Is she? 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 The old the elder elder one gets the the final say all the time. No? That would be me. So oh, okay, You're, you, you have that. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I should say she's the baby. So I always felt like she got what she wanted, you know, by my parents. So uh, spoiled Miss Megan, but she's not at all spoiled. She's earned every everything she's received in life. So I think what it is, is that I, I kind of, first of all, I believe in my sister and everything that she's done her adult life has been very valuable. So when my sister says, hey, this may not be a good idea, I, I absolutely listen to her and take take into account what she's talking about. And then, of course, I tell her, hey, this is what I, I think. Um, and we go back and forth a little bit. But in the end, what I value more is our relationship. Now, in the end, we do have some differences as to if, you know, when the time comes, when the business, when Femtac becomes something larger, what will we do with it? You know, she sees it one way, I see it another way. I think for now, again, we, we pretty well um, balance each other out. So um, I think that, you know, as long as what she's got to offer makes good sense and good business sense, and she's a very smart lady, that I'm okay with, with going with it. And um, again, I'm kind of, you know, pushing some limits so we can always push the limit down the road on something, you know, where we may hold back a little bit because she's a little bit more cautious. But um, we'll see how it goes down the road. You know, there may be times when I just have to say, oh, command decision. We got to do this. <laughs> command and control comes into play there. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. do, do as your skill sets complement each other nicely? Uh, like, are there certain things she's really strong at where you allow her to be and, 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 and vice versa? Absolutely. We, we're, we're really good in that way. And again, years ago, I would have said that we're more similar in nature, but anymore, we are different. Um, and I think where I really like getting out with people and networking and connecting and finding, you know, funding for us and just driving again, you know, maybe I crash and burn more than she does, but She's good at being more stable and not as many crash and burn episodes as me. But I don't mind crashing and burning. I think it's a part of who I am. And I've learned and gained a lot from that. And then she prefers her style. So we're definitely, we work really well together. And um, I respect her and love her to death. So hopefully it's going to be a good relationship for many years to come. What about mentors or influencers in, in the business have you leaned upon those obviously through your maybe pitches and that you've probably had a lot, the value they bring, anything stand out that uh, brings the most value from those relationships? Yes, I've had, so I've had both, um, you know, women and men as mentors, coaches along the way. And I found I've gained so much from both clearly from me it's awesome to talk to women who are at a, you know, pretty high, fantastic places. They've had businesses, they've sold them off, they're coaching or mentoring now. And that to me is a, means a great deal when they come to me and say, Hey, you know, I think this is great. I see you going places. Let's work through this because I was actually lacking a lot of mentorship by women, even in my military career. I don't 
not that I had to have a woman as a mentor, but just mentorship in general. Um, so it's great to have strong women who can say, you know, you can do this. We're not, you know, we're not here to bring you down. We're here to lift you up and help you out. And then I can do the same for other women along the way. But I've also had some phenomenal men uh, who have mentored me. And, and sometimes actually when it comes to femtac, especially they are removed, they're not as subjective, they're objective because they're like, well, this is not for us anyway. So let me tell you what I really think. Mm. And that has helped me greatly uh, many times over. So when I have their support and their mentorship, it actually says sometimes even more than if I have women who are involved. Um, so both sides of the house, I've I've had some great luck, especially as an entrepreneur in terms of influencers. Um, I, I what I am looking for now, I will tell you this. I what I'm looking for now is to really be involved more with women um, who are in the apparel industry specifically. And, and we'll see where that goes. But in the past, I've at least had very successful entrepreneurs and business owners that have that have coached me. Very, very good. And you are ultimately planning to bring this global, I, I, I would imagine. It's it's U.S. based currently uh, would, would be something you'd hope to scale. Yes, without a doubt. So one of the great questions from that Atlanta competition last year was, how do you plan to scale? And of course, I threw out some uh, Guy Kawasaki something or other mm. quote about scaling because I had thought about scaling for so many years. And then I said, gosh, Leah, bring it back. You need to start with the very basics, small, small, small. And we'll talk scaling or think scaling over the next you know, year or two. Um, which clearly you need to have both, right? You need to have the short term and then you need to have that long-term vision. So once that judge asked me about scaling, it, it made me think again about how I'm going to do this. The un, In terms of global, uh, we've already had women, for example, uh, some of my you know friends and colleagues that, for example, work in um, the anti-poaching realm in Africa say, hey, we want to take some of your apparel over to these female rangers working in anti-poaching in Africa. So that's been an option. We've all also had um, some close connections to women in European law enforcement. But yes, absolutely. The goal is to is to scale and push it out and, and make it an apparel line, uh, not just for tactical use, which is how we pushed on it or put it out initially, but more for women who are working in uh, field-based professions, so energy, uh, construction, you know, contracting, law enforcement, military, mm. but definitely global is is where we plan on going, without a doubt. No, yes. no shortage of ambition, which is uh, which is great. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll just wrap up with a couple of ones, and I think we talked about fear, or you mentioned it a couple of times, and you know what you're doing is very brave and pushing the boundaries, <laughs> creating a new company and and just going for it how do you deal with that kind of voice in the head um that uh, says what are you doing this is not going to work and how do you face your fears do you have approaches to do that would would your experience in the military have helped with that oh, wow uh <laughs> if i uh, put maybe three questions yeah. in one there but it's all about fear anyway no this is probably the biggest question of my life right now, because I think so much of what I have done or haven't done 
my entire life has been based around fear. And I think that's the same for so many other people. I, this is my biggest battle right now is fear, fear, you know, whatever, I'm going to let someone else down, fear that I'm going to not succeed, fear of, of success as much as fear of failure. So I actually have to remind myself constantly. So a lot of the things that I put, for example, on LinkedIn are me talking to myself. It's not even for somebody else, Mm. which is kind of selfish of me to say that, but it's all about reminding myself all the time. And fear is the biggest thing to me um, that I have to have to face. So constantly every day, every day I have thoughts of why am I doing this or why I should not be doing this or how can you do this? And then I also have thoughts about, yes, I can and I should and I will. So it's a, it's a definite battle all the time to deal with that. I guess I come back to that rock bottom place where I feel like I have a choice to make in life. Do I want to live and push on and succeed and climb mountains and live up to my potential for getting everybody else? Or do I want to stay pulled back in this world where I have less confidence, where I have, you know, where I'm afraid to take the next step. So every day I have to battle that like a lot of people do. And it's a constant conversation with myself. Um, I can't say that I have it nailed down very well, but I can say that I have no doubt that I will succeed and I just am working in that direction. Hmm. Very good. Uh, Yeah. Like it's a powerful emotion. It's a powerful question. I suppose every answer is is different. And just even when I ask, sometimes I ask myself, what is, you know, I'm afraid of so many things as well. Uh, and, And what's coming up for me of late is that, when I put a post on LinkedIn or when I put this out or whatever, my kind of check is right. Is this of value to somebody else? I think that's the the video I did this week. And I think if, if I can say, yes, it is, I'm not doing this for, for Rob to sound good or, or look good or any of that. Certainly by putting videos up, I know I'm definitely not making it look good, but uh, it's more, can somebody get something out of it? That's my barometer of, value and if there is a positive then the fear i don't really care about the fear as much so that's just a a perspective for me and i I guess maybe as you're thinking of it is there somebody else going to benefit from this is it going to be enriching to somebody else and i i find that keeps the the little gremlin in the head a little bit quieter uh, on a ongoing basis but just just a perspective Definitely. I'm sure it's just like raising a hand and asking a question in the classroom. If you raise your hand to ask a question, probably somebody else has that same question. And I think that that's true, that uh, we can benefit so much from other people sometimes speaking up where they might, you know, I don't know, take a little bit of a hit, possibly, maybe not. But I, the same way that I think if I mention something, there's probably one person out there who who is thinking the same thing. And, and if I can help anybody help one person in one way somehow then i think that's a good thing but um yeah it's it's fantastic to to think the way that you have and say if you're helping somebody then that's that's a good thing and and you clearly have helped a lot of people you're really doing some great stuff so we appreciate you oh stop it's it's uh it's fun it's fun to be able to get stuff out there um i will wrap up with 
just maybe the last one and then maybe talk a little bit about how people can get in touch that whole uh, um, last question but I have a page on the website about books and every time I get a book recommendation or two or sometimes three I put uh, that book up onto the, onto the website so people can maybe go through Amazon and get it from there big reader is there any one or two books that come to you that you say wow that has helped me with my fear or that has given me an insight I didn't think of what uh what ones jump up for you okay I'm gonna throw one out here that's a little bit random slightly off topic but it has brought me uh, a great deal of something in the past year and it's called adult children of alcoholics um so it's alcoholic dysfunctional families and it's I don't even know if it's written by um, ACA, so Adult Children of Alcoholics, but there's a lot in this book that will help people understand themselves and understand other people that may be in their lives um, that you know are dealing with a variety of, of issues potentially. So not just alcoholism, but mm. um, in general. So that's one that I suggest, but the other one that a friend got for me recently, and I thought, what? I don't need this book, but it's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it. I don't have it, but I've definitely heard of it. Yes. And when I started reading it, I said, "Mm, I'm really good at criticizing myself or, you know, critiquing myself. I don't need, you know, to look at this book and see what my bad habits are because I already do that pretty well myself. But the more I read it, the more I realize that, you know, I can I can make updates to myself, of course, plenty of them. And so I've actually gained quite a bit from from reading this book by Marshall Goldsmith. Yeah. So what got you here won't get you there. And uh, I think it, I think it's a pretty good read so far. Excellent. Two two new ones for the page uh, is mm-hmm. always always good. It's just I'm, I'm looking over at my bookshelves here and. I think I've bought about 50 in the last three months and uh, it's just so hard to get through half of them. But uh, I'll eventually, someday, take um, a long vacation and, and read through them. I listen to audio, Audible a good bit as well, but I, I still feel having a book in your hand is the is the best way, I think, to, to consume it. For sure. I know I'm with you, the whole audio podcast, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Those, that is always awesome, but... Uh, the old, so in fact, when I'm when I'm dealing with project management, people are like, well, that digital version of the Pimbok is great from the PMI site, but I want mm. my hard copy. So yeah. people still like that that feeling. Absolutely, it's maybe our generation, maybe the the millennials probably don't. Um, <laughs> Leah, look, last one just for your opportunity to talk a little bit more about what you do, how people could get in touch. If there's a you know a wealthy apparel magnate in Europe that's listening that wants to get in touch you never know you know something good can come out of it so please give a give yourself a pitch there and um, I'll definitely include all of this in in the usual notes at the end yeah um, so my email will be my first initial L and then my last name which is spelled O-L-S like Sierra Z like Zulu E-W-S-K-I at femtac.com so it's Foxtrot Echo Mike Tango Alpha Charlie.com. 
And I, yeah, I'd love to talk to people, love to connect with people. And of course I have social media, but I'm not on it as much as I should be here recently. So email's the primary way. And LinkedIn, of course, is always an awesome option. Yeah, no, absolutely. And LinkedIn brought us together. So that's, that's a positive. Social media has a lot of good things. I think my relationship with it before I started doing the podcast was kind of a bit of a negative. I wasn't just, oh, I just found it a bit too much. But when you have a reason and you're trying to share a positive message, it, it kind of changes the game a little bit. So time flies when uh, when you're having fun. And it certainly was a lot of fun to hear your, your journey. Uh, we probably skimmed some of it hopefully you got something from it yourself Leah just talking through that I know I know I did and I, I really appreciate it no a lot a lot absolutely I appreciate your time and I appreciate everybody listening and it really does yeah when you sit and talk about things it helps you you know realize some of the things you've been thinking you put it out in words or you put it on paper so I'm, I'm really happy to have been here and um, really appreciate the opportunity delighted to have you and look forward to putting it out in the near future Leah uh, look have a great rest of day and we'll definitely keep in touch thank you so much have a good day have a good evening <laughs> take care good luck bye bye so how did you find it a good show hopefully do take a second or two to let me know and before you do dive off just a couple of quick call outs the new podcast the 864 15 minutes long in fact 864 seconds is the aspiration is now out and ready for listening check it out on the site go to the podcast page there's a link for 864 there or go on to apple podcasts and subscribe that would be awesome the 864 is all you have to search for and it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be so have a listen every week i release a one minute monday video clip which is also a tip to hopefully make you one percent better check that out it's on the website on the video page did you also know that only about one percent of listeners to podcasts not just my own but all leave a rating leave a review get in touch or give feedback and i would love if we could book that trend and put it to two percent for this one so please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and hopefully you're getting one percent better as a result of these shows take care and good luck